You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 212. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Hey guys, thank you so much as always for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Influencer.com. Influencer is a product discovery and review destination that helps you find new beauty products and get advice. So if you are going to think about investing in some new beauty products and you're not really sure which ones are the good ones, I know this could be a very tricky thing for me as I love playing around with new makeup. This is an amazing destination for you to go check out reviews from other users just like yourself. And you can actually start to leave reviews yourself based on the products that you've tried as well. They have over 2 million members on this website and there are over 1.6 million products reviewed over 6 million times. So there's a ton of resources and information from people just like yourself, and you can also become a part of the community and potentially even begin to get free products to review as well. At the end of this episode, I'll be speaking with influencer founder Elizabeth, more about the company. And now let's talk about the show. Today, I'm speaking to you from Ubud as I wrap up season three of The Lively Show. Oh my gosh, we've had seasons roughly every year for the last three seasons, and we're in year three of The Lively Show, if you can believe it. And last year, our season break was also May. It was the transition from when I sold the house to when I started traveling for the first month in Europe. And now it is kind of going into a period of a lot of new workshops and experiences and travel for me. So it kind of works out really well that I will be going through a lot of transformation and personal work that I'll be able to bring to you coming up in June. So this is a wonderful time for me to take a pause on the show. The show will continue to air, by the way. I have a special Quantum Living Essential series that I've got ready for you guys for the next few weeks. So don't worry, the show's not really going anywhere. We're just going to be focusing specifically on the Quantum Living Essential episodes, I think, that are the most powerful ones to listen to in this specific order, which of course did not actually relate to reality in real time as I was sharing them. This is the essential episodes I suggest for anyone new to the show or anyone that wants to go deeper in this work that hasn't taken flow with intention or hasn't done a really deep dive into the 2017 episodes, or even if you have been doing that, even if you have been applying everything we've been sharing, the ability to re- think about these things, to review them, and to continue to integrate them into your lives in deeper ways will be hugely helpful as well. So May is actually going to be a refresher and a primer on the essential episodes leading into what I believe will be the season four of The Lively Show. Now, as you guys know, I've been writing in pencil with this since the beginning of this year, so I have no real idea what's heading up next, and I'm so excited for that. Isn't it exciting to say, we're going into so much new territory. I keep trying to find any, I don't only try, I just kind of keep flowing from opportunities and conferences, whatever's flowing my way, I am absorbing this experience as much as possible, and then, as you know, processing it and sharing it back with you. So I am taking you with me and There are so many exciting things coming up in May that will become aspects of what you'll hear in June, July, August, and beyond. So, so excited for that and for our series in May, because now when people ask, what's your show about? I can say, please go listen to these Quantum Living Essential episodes. They're going to tell you everything you need to know so that you can be caught up to the subjects and the aspects of what we're speaking on going forward. Now for today's episode in the season finale, this is exciting for me because back when I lived in Ann Arbor, I remember wanting to learn more about the moon and the lunar cycles. I saw people speaking about it here and there on Instagram, mostly Australian friends of mine that seemed to just randomly know a lot about the moon and the lunar cycles that I just never was exposed to, at least personally back in the States. So I am so grateful that now the guest we have on today's show, who I would call or consider at least the queen of the lunar cycles is Dr. Ezzy Spencer of LunarAbundance.com. I remember following her Instagram back in the day when I was living in Ann Arbor before we actually met, but now we're good friends here. We've spent time in Australia and Bali, and I'm so excited to introduce you to her because she is just a wealth of information when it comes to how to approach your life from the lunar cycle perspective. She has a new book out as well called Unabundant Life that explains 
all of what we're going to share in much more detail. So if you want to check out the book after listening to the episode, I highly recommend it. And check out her Instagram because once you know the cycles, you kind of just want to be reminded when we're in a new phase of the cycle so you know which way to be focusing on the yin or the yang energy in your life and career. So her Instagram will be a place that you can do that. She also has charts and so many resources on lunarabundance.com as well. So this is going to be a hugely insightful episode for anyone that's looking to take planned action and find flow in their life at the same time. The moon is a wonderful tool to do this, which we'll explain more in this episode. Also, so you know, we were recording this in Bali, and in Bali, there's a lot of roosters, there's a lot of nature, and there's a lot of open air. So this is unlike many episodes where I try to keep it as quiet as possible. This episode, I recognized the environment that we were in and flowed with it instead of trying to fight it. So let's go to the show. Ezzy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. It's a delight to be here. Okay, so let's get started with telling everyone a little bit about how you got to where you are. Yeah, well, I actually started out in the law, so a completely different profession, a completely different path in life to what I currently do now, which is working with the moon cycles. And it really was a matter of me Going within in my mid-20s is where it all began. I was working in the law. I trained as a lawyer and then I was working in the law, which is a very heady, very intellectual, cerebral profession. And I really did find that there was that sense of something elemental missing for me in my life. I felt disconnected from myself. I felt disconnected from my body, my own cycles, my own rhythms, from even something bigger than myself. Having lived and, you know, working in a city, I really felt disconnected from nature as well. So I wouldn't have necessarily articulated all of that at the time, but what I did have was this sense of their, you know, my heart yearning for something else. And so I was really seeking. And so I started to try to make sense of what I was really feeling by keeping a journal at night. And so I would really write down in my journal what was going on for me, how I was feeling, what was really my place in the world? What was my job here was one of my main inquiries at that time. And it wasn't that I was really, you know, super miserable or depressed, even though I was working in this, you know, very push and hustle and go, go, go environment, working in the legal profession. I mean, you couldn't get more young in a way, you know, more in that, just that paradigm of just always, always, always going, really always thinking, not a lot of feeling, not a lot of rest, not a lot of reflection. And I did at some point in my mid-20s, so about 10 years ago now, don't know exactly when or exactly why, but I started to write in my journal and I started to draw these little symbols of the moon and where it was in the sky. And look, I've always been fascinated by the moon. Ever since I was a little girl, I was fascinated by the moon. But I don't know exactly what led me to starting to put in those little glyphs or those symbols in my journal at night, looking up at night and seeing where the moon was in the sky, whether she was in her full moon stage. That's one of the eight moon phases that I work with now in the moon cycle. And it's, of course, the phase that many of us are most aware of, the full moon phase. But actually, the moon goes through a number of other phases throughout her month-long cycle. And so it wasn't just the full moon I started drawing into my journal. It was the other phases too. And so what I really found was that there were correlations between where the moon was in the sky and how I was feeling. And for me, that was absolutely fascinating because, you know, I started to find not just that there were correlations, but those correlations really repeated over time. And the moon cycle, as we'll delve into, is just a month-long cycle. So it's a really observable cycle. It's pretty short. It's very trackable. And if you start to work with the moon cycle, just a month-long cycle, and you do witness these correlations, as I was uh, doing you know, myself at this time, what will start to emerge are patterns. And those patterns can be trackable over time as well. So I started to see that there was like this repetition, there was a sense of predictability, and this really was something that was so interesting to me. I started to go 
so much deeper into myself, now really working with the moon as a mirror, as a tool for reflection and self-inquiry. And in the same way that the moon reflects the sun's light down here to us on earth, that's how we get the moonlight here on earth, the moon can really reflect you know, ourselves back to ourselves. It's a mirror in that way. And so I really did find over time by going deeper and deeper into the cycles that I started to find that sense of reconnection to myself, to my own body, to my own cycles, my own rhythms, my own ebb and flow. And also I got a better sense, you know, more self-awareness around what it is that I really wanted to do, why I was here on this earth and, you know, the types of work which really lit me up and the types of environments that I really thrived in. And so I did take a sidestep into out of the law, into legal academia. I started a PhD on women's well-being after experiencing violence and navigating the legal system in those circumstances. So it was, I was doing doctoral research into well-being and emotions and feelings, which dovetailed nicely with my new sort of nighttime interest. And a couple of things happened at that time. One is that I was able with a more flexible researcher schedule to not just witness the way that I was feeling and what was going on for me, but to really be able to respect and honour and to be able to act or not act accordingly. And so what I found is that once I wasn't, say, you know, at the desk for a certain number of hours each day, when I was having more carriage or agency over my own work schedule, and look, I was doing a PhD, I was also lecturing at a university, and I was doing research, so I certainly did have a full plate. And it wasn't that I was just sort of, you know, sitting around in libraries and cafes the whole time, you know, just sort of navel gazing. I did have real responsibilities uh, at that time as well. But what I found is that I was really able to honour my own body's ebbs and flows in a way which I never had up until that point. And I found something really counterintuitive happened, which is that I was able in honoring my bodies and slowing down in the yin phases, which we'll get into and moving forward, leaning in, being more action oriented in the yang phases, is that I actually finished my PhD in record time. I did it really quickly. I got a perfect result and I enjoyed the process and I had a lot more energy and vitality, that sense of enjoyment in, in life and I, that sense of really honoring myself in a way which I'd never had before in my previous career. And I thought this was absolutely fascinating. And so I started to talk about it with people and I started to hold workshops and I actually started coaching sessions free at first because this was really a love project. This was something I was so passionate about. I never thought it would turn into what it's turned into today. But I did start to really speak about it from that place of fascination and wanting to share what I was learning with other people. And it, over time, really grew into a business because people started to assume this is what I did for my job, even though it started out as this side business, as this, you know, this side hobby. And people started to pay me. And then I started to build it more and more from there. As I went deeper and deeper into the practice, started more consciously aligning with the moon, setting intentions with the new moon and doing all kinds of other things. And we'll get into more of that, I'm sure. But it just really started so organically. It was such a slow burn. It was something which was just, you know, came from this sense of curiosity and fascination and then this delight at realizing that it was possible to create this better life, this better way of living, this better way of working, and that it was the moon which showed me the way towards doing that. Well said, first of all. And I am so excited to be presenting this because I became fascinated with the moon myself around a year or two ago, probably when I found your Instagram account and learning that there is this other way to be living our lives in a cycle syncing way. Thank you, Elisa Vitti, for all the listeners out there. You know what I'm talking about with the hormone side. She actually talks about syncing with the moon cycles as well. So 
that was on a different level. But here with you, I want to talk about the moon cycles as they relate to our lives and our careers, because I know that if I was on the other side of this microphone listening on the earbuds, that's what I want to know. How can I start living my life in concert with the moon? And before we even touch into that, you say this many times in the book, but I want to share what your thoughts are on the moon cycles and whether this is making us do anything or how much is the moon actually influencing our lives in the first place? In what way is it? In what ways is it not? It's such a good question because I feel like when we start to work with the moon, many of us fall into this common trap of saying, oh no, you know, the moon made me do it. (laughs) That'll be the new excuse to our boss. The moon made me do it. Our partner, the moon made me do it. The police officer, the moon made me do it. (laughs) (laughs) And look, the moon and particularly the full moon does have documented effects on sleep and there are documented effects on the uptick in activity in a number of sectors, including the health sector and the criminal justice sector, the education sector, and anyone who's involved with any of these sectors will anecdotally be nodding their heads vigorously at this time. So there's certainly a correlation. We can see that correlation embedded in the English language, you know, in many, and I'm sure many other languages too, but it's my language, in many different ways. So from anything from lunacy, you know, from Luna through to, you know, this really, you know, romantic idea of, you know, being really moony about someone and gazing into someone's, you know, eyes softly in love. So, you know, the relationship between the moon and, you know, our lives here on Earth is just something which has been, you know, understood, you know, through the ages. Exactly what that is, though, is something which is still a little bit mysterious and up in the air. And I certainly am of the vein of thought of saying that we always have personal responsibility. It always comes down to us and what choice we make with anything. And so I think to say, you know, the moon is sort of making me feel really, you know, wild is a way of actually being a little disempowering in that way. I think that there's a relationship between the two. The more sensitive you are, you know, the more you're going to feel that, the more you go deeply into this practice and start working with the moon, the more you're going to feel it. And certainly, you know, at least to me, the moon represents the feelings. So it is no surprise that these are really heightened at this time. But whether it is a result of, um, you know, gravitational pull, whether it's a result of, you know, some kind of, you know, cosmic influence, you know, I just don't think we have enough evidence or data to say that that is the case. From my perspective, I'm more comfortable saying that there seems to be this correlation. And so I love to work with the moon as a mirror, as that tool for self-reflection and inquiry, and then also as a natural timekeeper. Because the practice that I work with, it just seems to work. And so many people have really found that tuning in to the moon, and this has happened across human history, millennia in different cultures. I'm not making it up. It certainly wasn't my idea to start, you know, working with the moon. And I certainly wasn't the first one to start, you know, thinking about this. This is ancient wisdom, ancient knowledge. And, you know, there seems to just be that deep relationship there. So now let's get into the moon cycles. Now that we know the moon's not making us do anything, but we can plan according to cycles of the moon to help us regulate our own lives, emotions, and well-being. Can you explain how that works? Absolutely. Yeah. So working with the moon as a natural timekeeper is one way to do that. And, you know, it's this beautiful symbolism of a cycle, which so often in our lives, in the Western lives, and that's, that's my life, and I'm sure the lives of many of your listeners, we tend to be really in this very rational, logical, linear way of approaching you know, life. And that's the way that we're often trained to think and to be through our cultures, our institutions, and so forth. And I think there's definitely a place for that. However, really tuning into this other way of working, this way of working with cycles of knowing that there's not necessarily going to be sort of a, you know, a a place where you begin and then, you know, a set of steps that you follow, you know, and you get to the end, but there will be this rhythm. There'll be this constant beginning, this constant, you know, ending, this constant flowing is something which is, 
you know, it, it really does resonate with so many women who experience, you know, even just within, you know, within our own bodies. Many of us have the menstrual cycle. So this is something that we're really familiar with on that level. And in fact, it's really applicable to anyone, regardless of gender, you know, that we have got these cycles which are going to be relevant for us in all parts of our lives. They've got the the solar cycle, which is the time that it takes for the earth to go around the sun. You know, we've got the cycle of the day. We've We've got our circadian rhythms. You know, we've got these times where we can move forwards and we can, you know, feel really energized and we're doing that. And then there are also times to pull back and to rest and to restore. And so what many of us find is that we're really in that first mode of operating or what I call the young mode of operating more often than not. So that sense of always sort of moving forward, initiating, being in action, uh, giving and uh, you know, talking and, and really propelling ourselves forward more often than not. That tends to be one of the values that we celebrate in the West. It tends to be rewarded in many ways. But actually allowing yourself to rest more into the yin or more of the being mode is just as important from the perspective of health and well-being. So I think anyone who's constantly on the go would be uh, probably familiar with a pattern which I was also really familiar with, which is that tendency towards overwork, really going so hard and going so hard to the point of burnout because that's the only way that your body knows how to get the rest that it really needs is to get sick or to fall over. So you have to be in bed, you know, or you have to cancel your appointment. So you get that sense of enforced rest. And there are a number of other benefits as well as in terms of pausing and pulling back for a moment. It doesn't just need to be in work. But really, what the way of working with the moon allows us to do is to start to embed those yin parts into our life. And again, that was really important for me because I did have that real sense of being more in the yang. I had an unhealthy relationship between my own yang and my own yin. But it can also help, for instance, if you have got a sense of finding it hard to get motivated or get going at all. So if you tend to be predominantly more in the yin, to really embed the yang into your life as well can be very helpful. The way that I work with the moon cycle is that I work with eight moon phases. And so the moon cycle lasts for about a month. And in that month, there'll be these eight moon phases. So each one of those moon phases lasts for three or four days apiece. And these moon phases actually happening in real time. You can go outside at night and look up and see the moon to see what phase it's in, or there's you know other ways that you can find out. Thank you, technology, as to what phase the moon is in. Yeah, by the way, go to Ezzy's Instagram at Lunar Abundance, because that's where I go. I go see on your Instagram where the moon's at and what to be focusing on. That's right. Yeah. So Luna spelled L-U-N-A-R abundance is my Instagram handle. And I post about the moon phases there in real time as they're happening with a tip about how to work with that particular phase. Um, and I've got a, a free lunar planner on my website as well. But there's the, the Instagram is definitely there and happening in real time. It's a good resource for that. And so out of those eight moon phases, the moon cycle starts with the new moon. And actually, we're timing this episode so that it airs right around the new moon. I love that. <laughs> yes. So go on Ezzy's Instagram or go get the download the planner. But you're actually, if you want to start this as this episode is airing, you're right around the start of the new moon. So you can start this cycle fresh. So perfectly timed. <laughs> so in flow. I love it. So the eight moon phases, which does start at the new moon, and the new moon is actually what I call a young phase. Of the eight moon phases, four of those are classified as yin in the lunar abundance system and four are classified as yang. And so because each one of those moon phases lasts for three or four days apiece and four of the moon phases are yang and four are yin, they actually come in pairs. So you'll have three or four days of a yang phase and then you will have a yin phase for the next three or four days. And then it'll go to a yang phase for another three or four days and it will then go to a yin phase for the next three or four days. 
And the moon has an elliptical orbit, by the way, which is why each of those phases isn't exactly the same amount of time each, each phase. But it is a good rule of thumb to know that there'll be three or four days. So about half the week is going to be yang and about half the week is going to be yin. And it starts at the new moon phase, which is the yang phase. And that's an opportunity to set an intention. And there's plenty we could say about that as well. But it is then this beautiful rhythm that you can start to rest into and you can start to predict because you can predict, you can see the dates of the moon phases and when they're coming up for the, you know, for the time ahead. So you can start to really bring this sense of balance into your own life and your own work in this way. And so it's not like a young phase is about being a full drill sergeant and being really mean with yourself and pushing yourself all the time to get things done and to try to pack everything in your life into a young phase. It's not like that at all. It's actually about inviting you to pay attention to what it is in that time that you could really get going with. So for instance, it might be at the new moon phase, a wonderful time to get clear on what projects you want to initiate in the month ahead. And a month is such a short achievable time frame that you don't need to set an intention for like full life transformation or, you know, complete like business revolution <laughs> or, you know, complete like, you know, career acceleration, for instance, in a new moon phase. But set an intention which is going to be realistic for that month ahead and then start to you know take action towards what it is that you would like to achieve in that time in the month ahead and then in the yin phases similarly it's not like a yin phase is complete contrast to a yang phase it's not like in a yin phase you just sit on a beach and drink pina coladas and it's like, well, that's it. Like I'm totally in my feminine, not doing anything for three or four days because that's not realistic, right? We live in a busy modern world and we have a ton of obligations and real world, you know, requirements, people who are dependent on us and we do need to show up to work and we need to deliver on what it is that we would said that we would do. So again, these phases are never meant to be an excuse uh, for not continuing to you know, be a good citizen and so forth. But it is in the in phase, there is this invitation for you, particularly if you are, as I am, you know, has been and have gradually unwound this over time, but I'm still doing this practice. These in phases are still this permission slip for me to come within and say, you know, where am I overcommitting? Where am I doing too much? Where am I not actually allowing myself to rest? So for instance, in a yin phase, it might be a matter of like not putting in so many clients or, you know, interviews or even outside of work and business, looking at, for instance, not pushing myself to go for like a run or, you know, a more intense high impact workout, if that's not what my body really is craving or desiring at that time, because I know that my tendency is to really push myself. So the yin phase is an opportunity for me to come within and say, look, would a more gentle walk actually be more fulfilling for me at this time? Would it be more, you know, conducive for me and my own well-being, you know, to not try to do the full day of work and then try to, you know, go out at night and to do those extracurricular activities and, you know, to, to see that friend or go to that choir or to volunteer that night. And so rather than getting to a point where you are, you know, pushing, pushing, pushing and getting so tired and so overworked that you just end up feeling too tired and you end up flaking out on whatever it is that you said that you were going to do. It's that sense of predictability that you can start to embed in your life and go, you know what, if I'm going to have a busy period in my life, even a busy few days in terms of work and other things that I'm doing, then I need to actually structure and embed in my calendar that sense of downtime. Because not only is that going to help me to be more balanced and to be more effective over time and to live and grow in a way which is really sustainable over time, but it's also going to allow me that space where, you know, as soon as we allow ourselves that space to rest, 
when we allow ourselves the blank canvas, if you will, which we're not filling up by, you know, scrolling on the Facebook newsfeed or watching Netflix or, you know, trying to cram so much into our lives as a kind of distraction, then we really do get that sense of coming more deeply within ourselves, of being able to open up more to what it is that our own bodies, our own, you know, internal wisdom is really telling us. And to open up as well to more inspiration from, you know, from from this beautiful world that we live in, you know, from the divine, if you're interested in that, you know, from, you know, other people. It just gives us this, this opportunity to expand out and to receive more, you know, creative inspiration and flow. And it can be really uncomfortable at first as we are allowing some more blank space into our lives because then for the first time we often need to really tune in to what is going on for us and sometimes you know that may be a little unsettling because we're not used to it but it is the pathway I definitely feel to you know firstly coming back into a much more intimate deeper relationship with yourself and your own intuition and your own knowing but also to then receive you know, so much goodness from the world, you know, from this beautiful earth, from our environment, from the place that we're in, without needing to script it or control it, but to trust that it's going to come. Yes. So if I was to summarize what you're sharing, basically, for everyone listening, it's 28 days. And does this work for men and women? Or is this just for women? Absolutely works for anyone. Okay, that's what I agree to. I didn't want men to be turned off by this and think, oh, this has to do with women's cycles. I can't be a part of this. Yin and yang are within everyone and the balance of that energy in our lives can be useful. It's just the hormone cycle of a woman is 28 days and a man's is 24 hours that that differs, correct? Yes, the moon cycle lasts for about 29 and a half days, actually. So there does seem to be a natural affinity between the moon cycle in the sky and women's feminine cycles. But, you know, it's not sort of cookie cutter in that way. So I think because of that natural affinity, women tend to be drawn to the moon more than men, at least in the West. And also because the moon tends to really speak to many or there tends to be the identification or it tends to be symbolic of many of the qualities that we do you know in the west attached to the feminine so that sense of being in touch with your emotions and and your feelings and and sort of being in that sense of cyclical living and the mystery and the flow but actually you know i tend to believe that a lot of that is actually socially constructed in many ways so regardless of gender you know it is something i mean the moon is in the sky it's there available for us to look at in some cultures over the ages there have been moon gods and moon deities rather than you know the the female lunar goddesses that many of us tend to associate with the moon as well. So it's certainly there, I feel, as a tool for self-inquiry and reflection for all of us here on Earth, regardless of gender. Okay, so if we're going to simplify that, we figure out what phase the moon is in, and if it's in a yin or a yang, then you decide to, if you can, given your circumstances, lean in a little bit more in the yang and lean back a little bit more in the yin and be able to give yourself that ebb and flow in life, just like the tides and everything else, so that you're making sure that you're balanced in terms of your output and your intake of rest. Is that kind of a simplification of everything? If people were to think, how do I plan my life around this? 100%, yes. Okay. So how much time or energy do you suggest people putting into making sure that it's syncing with their lives? Oh, it is a practice which is so able to be integrated into a busy modern life. This is one of the reasons why I love this practice so much. And so what I encourage you to do is to, at that new moon phase, that young phase, to set an intention and then become really clear about what it is that you'd like to to cultivate in the month ahead. And so because the moon represents the feelings, that's a feeling-based intention. And so it can take you just a couple of minutes to set an intention. And then what I encourage people to do is each morning, so to start the day by really tuning into your intention. So reconnecting with yourself and reconnecting with the moon and tuning into whether it's a yin phase or a yang phase in the morning just for a couple of minutes a day. So this is the kind of practice where you can really spend five minutes a day and you can feel much more deeply connected 
to yourself and to your own rhythms and your own cycles and then also the rhythms and the cycles of nature over time. So five minutes a day, super easy. Actually, let's use an example. So I did my first lunar intention at the new moon before the one that people are listening to. So I'm in midway through my first cycle. So in the book, you suggested us to focus like you just tapped into a little bit about not so much emotion, but physical feelings. You're very big on physical feelings that probably in most cases come from emotion. So you asked us to do a body scan and to think about how our body was feeling versus how we wanted it to feel. And I noticed there was some tension in my stomach a little bit. It was very subtle, but I've become over the last several months very aware more than I ever have been before about my physical sensations, especially around my organs, I guess, in the central body cavity. So I was noticing a little tension somewhere in my stomach region. So I decided to make my intention loose and allowing. So to loosen that whatever tightness was there, to loosen it and to allow. So as you're discussing, looking at this through the yin and the yang phases, can you help me walk through? It seems like it was a very yin intention. How could I be yang in my yin intention versus the yin and the yin intention? Yeah, sure. So I wanted just to quickly touch on what you said around the physical sensations in the body, because that's so key in setting an intention, whether or not it might be something which is more tangible in terms of, uh, you know, material things. And so you, people could set intentions, which may be, for instance, about be inviting in more financial abundance or romantic abundance or, uh, you know, more opportunities, more, more of a sense of friends and so forth, you know, that sense of connection. Those are all the kinds of intentions that you could set at the new moon or you could set an intention as you had done which is much more around you know relaxing and being allowing your body to to open and to flow because you've identified that that's an area of literal tension for you and that's something where you'd like to actually lean into and feel that greater sense of of relaxation and so really uh, raising your intention in the positive is super important in this practice because you are really wanting to move towards what it is that you're wanting to cultivate, not what you're wanting to let go of at the start of the cycle at the new moon phase. And then so what I would encourage you to do with that intention is to really each day, so once you set the intention, not just like set it and forget it, but each day, regardless if it's a yin or a yang phase, to return to that intention for at least a couple of minutes a day and to tune into it and to feel it and to allow yourself to drop into the body, to get out of the head and to really allow yourself to feel the physical sensations in your body of being really, you know, loose and open. And so in the yang phase that your activity or your job is to set the intention, that's your yang activity that you got it going. Uh, so yes, it's a yin-based intention, but you have actually, you know, set the intention, so to speak. So, you know, you've actually set the wheel in motion. That's the yang activity for the new moon, the first of the eight phases. The second phase in the moon cycle is the crescent moon phase, and that's a yin phase. And so the invitation during a yin phase is going to be around really allowing yourself to step back from your intention and to you know release from any sense of you know uh, attachment to any outcome to do with it. So by analogy, once you have planted a seed in a pot plant, for instance, you know in your pot, and you've put your pot up on the windowsill and so you're allowing it to get the sun and you're going to you know pour your water into the pot plant so that you're going to nurture it and you've done that all at the new moon phase you don't then stand over the pot uh, for the next week and your hands on hips sort of glaring at it screaming at it saying where are you <laughs> you know seedling I haven't seen you sprout yet and so the invitation is to sit each day for that couple of minutes, you know, throughout that, um, through every day throughout the cycle, but particularly at that crescent moon phase. If you're someone who really likes to make things happen, and that's the way that you've been productive and successful in your life, to practice that stepping back and just being and just allowing whatever it is that is growing to continue to grow. So that sense of relaxation to continue to come over you during that yin phase, that first yin phase, all yin phases, but particularly the crescent moon phase, it can be a little challenging at times. 
Then at the first quarter moon phase, which is the next moon phase, that's the third of the eight moon phases, and that's another young phase, there is an invitation to take discerning action towards your intention. And I'll just quickly note that there is a chapter in the book on each one of those eight moon phases that goes into a lot more detail than this. But the opportunity to take discerning action may present itself to you at this time, particularly if you've paused and you know not tried to sort of do anything with your intention, you know, but to really pause this time and perhaps that first quarter moon phase or the moon appears to be half full in the sky, it's a quarter of the way through the cycle as it's waxing up from new to full, you will have an opportunity to actually go out and do something to help you continue to cultivate that sense of looseness in your body. So for instance, and the example that's in my mind, and I know I'm cheating a little bit just because we've had this conversation, is that you may have an opportunity to do an activity like, for instance, go to yoga, you know, try a new exercise activity, something that's going to get you into your body in a way that's actually going to, you know, foster that sense of opening, that sense of looseness, that sense of dissolving tension in your body. So actually showing up and doing something. And oftentimes when you when this is quite a magical process, you set your intention and you know you're really setting that wheel in motion. You don't necessarily have to look all that hard. These opportunities often come to us when we're following this practice. It's up to us to say, oh, yeah, actually that relates to my intention because I'm anchoring into my intention every day. This would be a great action for me to take in this young phase. Then the next moon phase is the gibbous moon phase. That's another yin phase. That's the fourth of the eight moon phases. It's another yin phase. And so it is definitely one of the most challenging phases for many of us to experience. And the reason for that is the gibbous moon phase, it's the final couple of days or few days before the full moon peaks in the sky. And so there can be that sense of wanting as so many of us do, you know, want to rush to climax because we know it's about to happen. You know, we can see it, we can feel it coming, that full moon point, you know, that metaphorical climactic point, midway point of the cycle, but we're not there yet. And so the invitation in the gibbous moon phase is to trust. And so there may well be, you know, some, you know, what we might sort of put a a term or put a story around saying, you know, some negative feelings, some ickiness, some muck that comes up for us in the gibbous moon phase. This is a very, very familiar story. And again, it often is because we're not used to pausing and allowing ourselves to really open and experience what's going on. So we may have emotions, you know, which are intense or fierce emotions, you know, like anger or fear or sadness may really well up for us at this time. And, you know, certainly if you need to get help and support, you know, the encouragement is always to reach out for that. You don't need to do things on your own, but allow yourself to really open to and trust whatever is going on for you because you're following a process and you've set that intention at the new moon phase and you're allowing yourself to now really experience what it means to, in reality, to open. And so if you have constriction or tension in your body, allow it to melt away and not feel like it's something which is really, you know, this this awful ordeal that you need to, you know, go through. But part of the experience of being alive, part of opening to loving and trusting because it's just part of yourself which is coming up at this time. And so the next moon phase is the full moon phase. It's the one that we're all aware of. And so this is this climactic point, many of us, but what often happens when rather than just sort of dropping in at the full moon phase and going, ah, you know, I feel really overwhelmed. You know, I was on this emotional roller coaster. If we have been working consciously with an intention that we've set two weeks earlier at the start of the cycle, you know, at that new moon phase, and then we've really been showing up each day, even just for a few minutes to our intention, you know, in that, in that way of more presence and more awareness, then the full moon phase can be the point at which we have a breakthrough. So there can be that sense of the full moon phase, uh, you know, because it is where we have got literal light on earth, the moon's 180 degrees away from the sun, exactly opposite the sun, it's on the other side of the earth, throwing down its light to earth, 
at night and particularly if you're out of a city and you, you know, I really encourage people, you know, to, to have that opportunity if they can to get out into nature and to experience the full beauty of a full moon, particularly if it's a super moon, but even just any full moon, there is that literal sense of light and illumination at that time. And what we often see or sense is that that can play out for us with our intention that we've set as well. And so at that full moon phase, you know, you may often have this sense of like, oh, like the penny will drop. You know, I am holding on to things which aren't necessarily serving me and I can just let them go. So you can release at the full moon phase. And there's a bunch of, you know, ceremonies and practices and ideas that uh, that I have on my in my book and on my blog around that as well. But there's that sense of really letting go and allowing yourself to move forward. It's another young phase. And so maybe you will be given another opportunity to continue to open and relax. But it'll be more obvious to you at the full moon phase because that there is that sense of the path forward being lit by the light of the moon. And then the sixth phase of the disseminating moon phase, it's another yin phase and it's an opportunity to practice receiving what's coming into your life. And so to receive with gratitude, I mean, gratitude is a fundamental principle of living an abundant life and allowing yourself to open and to really, you know, just say, oh gosh, you know, I've shifted so much in terms of where I was two and a half weeks ago at the new moon phase. You know, I'm really feeling this greater sense of relaxation, peace and calm in my body. You know, my hip isn't feeling stomach or my womb, you know, or whatever it is, is not feeling as contracted as it was. You know, I'm really allowing myself to open and receive and allowing myself to receive you know, more vitality that's coming through me as a result. Or, you know, it might manifest in other ways which you can't even imagine at the new moon phase when you set your intention that's part of, you know, the, the goodness um, and, the, and the mystery and the magic of this as well. So maybe it might be a matter of someone showing up, it might be as simple as someone showing up and saying, oh, can I give you a massage? You know, I'd love to try. I've just learned this new technique, um, my abdominal technique technique and I'm looking for people to massage. So it could actually be something as simple as that. So the invitation in the disseminating moon phase is to really witness that and when you know, to say, oh, thank you, and to receive that with gratitude and know that's part of your intention coming into form. Then the next phase is the third quarter moon phase. It's another young phase. It's the seventh of the eight moon phases. And so it's just the opportunity, you know, for that final push, that final action, that final moving forward in this case. So, you know, if your intention was actually more around, you know, something uh, more around, you know, wanting to build your business or getting more clients or, you know, wanting to, you know, meet someone new romantically, you know, maybe there'll be more outward motion that you'd be doing at that time. As you said, this was a pretty yin intention, much more around the way that you were feeling. So, you know, maybe it's just staying open to the opportunities to see what else might cross your path at that time. Maybe there's another chance to do some other kind of, you know, movement class or some other way to connect at that time. So anything that's left a little unresolved at that third quarter moon phase as the moon is waning, really back down to darkness again at the new moon phase because the cycle starts in darkness and then the eighth moon phase is the balsamic moon phase it's another yin phase and it's probably my favorite of all of the moon phases because it's that opportunity to really stop really rest really sink in to where you are but to pay attention to where you've traveled in the previous month and so many of us are, you know, we are moving forwards all the time, always onto the next thing, always onto the next shiny thing, always wanting to go into the next new moon. I think, you know, oftentimes at the balsamic moon phase, because you've got that greater level of self-awareness and so much inspiration will have come through, you know, you will often be thinking, oh, what is it that I want to, you know, cultivate next? I can't wait for it to start again. And, you know, that's great, but it's also an opportunity for us, you know, to really stop and take stock and to celebrate ourselves and what it is that we have allowed, what it is that we've achieved, yes, in the previous month, but what it is that we've received, what it is that we've allowed to unfurl in our lives in the past month and to write it down and to have a little celebration, pat ourselves on the back with it and to get really clear, anchor into where we currently are before we move forward into the next cycle because the beauty of this practice, it really represents, I feel, the essence of abundance, the moon cycle, because it just keeps going. And if you didn't feel like, you know, you got it quite right or you're overreached or, you know, you maybe made some choices that perhaps 
you wouldn't have, you know, made again in future, there is that invitation to just be kind to yourself. Allow yourself to see that this is just an evolving process and you always get a chance to start again. And one of the things I also love, and I want to bring this up now here on the show, is that over the years, we've been talking about yin, yang, masculine, feminine energy in various ways. And I love what you wrote in the book about it is your health of the yin and yang dynamic that I encourage you to pay attention to, not the precise breakdown. Now, this is not speaking to yin and yang intentions, as we just spoke about. This is actually speaking to you as a person. Often, especially over the last few years, I've been thinking a lot about masculine and feminine energy in myself and in others in my life and in partnership and all of those sorts of things. But I love that your focus is on everyone's individual dynamic between the two to pay attention to rather than saying, oh, I'm a yin person or oh, I'm a yang person. Would you mind going a little bit more into what you mean by this? 100%. And I feel like it is, you know, really, at least I really wanted to be very clear with my language and what I meant with these different terms and working with these, you know, different energies and really different modes of operating. That's how I really see yin and yang, which, you know, regardless of gender, everyone has got this sense of of yin and yang inside of themselves. And yes, we can talk about that in terms of feminine and masculine. A lot of people do. But I feel like many of the women who've worked with me, for instance, have come and sort of said, but, you know, I sort of feel really, you know, a bit sad or a bit worried or there's something wrong with me because I'm in my masculine and, you know, but yet I feel female. And yes, we can say that feminine and masculine isn't about gender, but they do still carry a lot of cultural baggage in terms of gender. And men as well may feel, you know, there's often a sense of, you know, a pejorative or a negative connotation for a man being in touch with his feminine. And it just doesn't need to be that way, regardless of gender. I think yin and yang is so important. And when we step away from gender and really look at these aspects within ourselves, then it can become clear that we don't need to put these labels or meanings on them. We don't need to be like a, you know, really, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in joy. If if you're someone who's in the yang, a lot of the time, but that really works for you. You know, if that is where you get your inspiration and your health and your vitality and you're working with your element because you've got, you know, more of a natural yang predomination within yourself and your natural makeup, then, you know, that's great. You don't need to change yourself or fix yourself or improve yourself in any way. But there is really this invitation to anyone who is working either as I was like this predominance in the yang, this over-reliance on the going and the pushing and the hustling and the thinking and the rationalizing at the expense of the really powerful being and resting and restoring and feeling because, you know, for me, that balance was completely out of whack. And that was what was leading to this sense of, of disharmony, that sense of something missing, you know, that sense of disconnection within myself. It was why I was always pushing forwards and getting sick. And, you know, similarly, if you sort of identify more on the other side, if you just really find it just too hard to get up and get going or get motivating or be consistent with your effort, you know, maybe it is a matter of working out how can you bring in uh, more of the young into your life to make your own personal balance, you know, within yourself healthier. And so yin and yang are relative terms. They're always going to be relative to you and your life and what's going on with you and who you're around as well. So for instance, it may be that in your working environment with your boss, who might be male or female, and you might be male or female, you know, or you might identify uh, as a non-binary gender, you know, it might be a matter of you being, say, more yin at work with your boss. And perhaps when you come home and you're in your intimate relationship, you may be more yang in that relationship. And so there, it's not like like you identify with one or the other and there's this static sense of, you know, of who you are and how you are, this can shift and change. And in our relationships as well, you know, with the same person, you might be in a, you know, more of a yin state while you're listening and receiving to, you know, what another person is speaking or needing to share with you or wanting to give you. Or, and then later in the same conversation, even you may switch back more into the yang 
mode of wanting you know to give more or to support or to help in more of an outward focused way and so it is really just around having that sense of awareness within yourself about how you're currently feeling how you're situated how you want to feel and how you're constantly working and playing and dancing with your own um, inner yin and yang in that way and keeping that relationship that balance healthy and harmonious is key what do you think you are more of? I'm very curious, having known you now personally and knowing that your past life was in such a young environment and now your career has obviously more balance, but you, as uh, to me, emanate this yinness. I'm very curious then what you think your personal dynamic has been over the years. It's so interesting to reflect on that. I feel like I'm certainly resting into the yin much more. And even though I started out way more yang in terms of my professional career and also I think in terms of my personal relationships, I am you know, really feeling that I am now resting much more into the yin most of the time in most of the situations in my life. And I'm finding that to be so much more relaxing. And it also is creating so much more space for magic for me. What is the voice in your head saying? Do you have the ego kind of flaring up at times saying you should go back into your yang at times? or And how do you handle that? So I definitely have got my old wiring, that old conditioning from myself, but also it's social conditioning as well, which I'm not immune to, of wanting to push and hustle and go. So, you know, it is a constant practice for me to continue to work with the yin and to continue to embed the yin into my life. And that's one of the reasons why I love working with the moon cycle in this way, because I don't necessarily always, you know, I'm, I'm always listening to my body. Yes. And so you know, if I'm tired during a young phase, it doesn't mean that I keep going. I always prioritize and listen to my body, but I always have this permission slip. There's always another yin phase that's going to come up, which is going to, you know, just remind me. It's just like that little trigger, you know, that just looking at the yin phase, looking at the mirror of the moon going, actually, you know what? It's, it's okay to relax because you know what? You feel better when you do. You actually end up getting more done in the long run. You're much more creative. You know, I wrote my book in a very yin way and it just flowed out so quickly. So I look at that empirical evidence in my life, which shows me that actually I am more effective during the yin phase. I do enjoy life more during the yin phases. And so I am always allowing myself just to be reminded and to continue to practice because it's just an ongoing practice. Yeah, I think that's something that I find in flow and Obviously, we still take inspired action, but having that ability to pause before taking the next step to find the inspiration for the next step rather than deciding what the next step will be, I think that inspiration comes from the yin moments that we take to see what's going on in our lives and then flow from there to the next thing. Would you say that that's kind of how you're doing things as well? Yes, it just makes your action so much more inspired. As you said, it makes your action so much more effective and discerning when you're not just spinning your wheels, but you've taken that time to really get clear on where it is that you're going to continue to anchor into where you are and where it is that you're going because it continues to shift and evolve and change. Life is change and change is speeding up for us here on earth at this time. So it is definitely, definitely a way to make our action more effective when we then take it. Okay. So what internal doubts or resistance are you currently going through right now? Well, I have got the next level of my expansion is happening at this time in the sense of expanding out into the world and being seen in a way. I have been working in my own little sort of, you know, warm rock pool, if you will, for a while, you know, many, many years now in, you know, behind the scenes of clients and so forth. But now I'm a published author and I have a book out in the world. And there are people who are going into bookshops and buying my book and writing to me. I've never had any contact with those people before now. So there is this sense of 
being seen in a much bigger way and they're just, you know, for me, it's just certainly there is fear around that. What is that going to mean? What is that going to look like for my life and my business? I don't actually know. There is a huge amount of uncertainty around what that that sense of, of having many more people engaging with my work is going to look like and how it's going to feel moving forward. And so it's just a matter of continuing to follow the practice and continuing to trust and to rest into the mystery and to know that I am supported and, uh, you know, I've got, I've taken the time to master my craft before I've gone out and talked about it. And at the end of the day, I can't control how people are going to receive it. I can just show up and try to, you know, speak and do speak from the heart and in a place of integrity and just, you know, hope for the best. I love that. So what would you tell someone just starting out on this journey? Oh, that it is absolutely possible to start to create a better life for yourself by working with the moon cycle. Not because it's going to magically, you know, change everything for you overnight and not because it necessarily has got these superpowers. Although I've certainly experienced, you know, something which is, you know, quite transformative in my own life working with this, but it is possible to do it. It just does take practice. It takes showing up. It takes devotion. It takes trust in the process. And ultimately, it really takes you into a place where you need to, you know, listen to and respect and honor and trust yourself. But it is absolutely possible there's a process that you can follow and it is going to be full of juicy rewards that you probably can't even necessarily think of at this time. You need to feel them and experience them. I love that. Ezzy, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. I'm so excited to be bringing the moon to the Lively Show listeners and being able, because I know this is an episode, I'd be like, yes, please give me more. I want to know more about the moon. I'm so curious. I went to Australia going, I need to learn these Australian women know about the moon. And I'm so glad I got to meet what I believe is like the, the goddess of the moon herself, Ezzy Spencer. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been my delight. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. And there you have it. Thank you, Ezzy, for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. If you want to send Ezzy a message, you can head over to Instagram at Lunar Abundance. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, head over to Jess C as in Crescent Moon Lively. For show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Ezzy Spencer. And before I share where I'm headed to next, let's talk with Elizabeth, the founder of today's sponsor, Influencer.com. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm from a really small farm town area in Iowa, but I've been in New York City for around 14 years. So I'm really into fashion and I'm obsessed with beauty products, which makes working at Influencer really easy because we're always trying out tons of new goodies. That's awesome. What inspired you to get started with Influencer in the first place? So I actually worked at a different startup before here for around six years, and I was working for an events company, and I was responsible for getting product in the event gift bags. So I'm sure you guys have all gone to events where you get goodies, but the brands were really interested in knowing more information about people who are trying it, making sure it's in the hands of the right people, and they also wanted to get feedback, like did people actually buy it afterwards? So I was talking with a friend of mine who worked in market research and we thought, hey, there's a need for something new out there that can modernize market research. And that's really how Influencer was born. How does it work exactly? Yeah. So Influencer is the home of 14 million reviews. So people are coming and talking about everything that they buy, good and bad. It's really about learning what's great because no one wants to waste money on a skin cream that doesn't work, right? But the really cool thing is that there's rewards involved. So if you're an active part of Influencer, which means you're reviewing products, you've connected your social accounts, then you have a good chance of earning free products sent right to your door that you can test and give feedback on, share what you think with brands and also with your friends. This is awesome. It sounds kind of like TripAdvisor for beauty products. Is that kind of what you would describe it as? Yeah, definitely. So we're not selling anything. So it's definitely unbiased. Like people can come and get information from other people. We're really not involved in that. 
but we do like to connect our members to brands that they would hopefully like. So it's very personalized for the user. So, you know, if you're shopping at Sephora and you wear a foundation every day, there's a good chance that you could get a product like that sent to you. That's amazing. So who is Influencer ideal for? I think it's really great for people who are passionate about products and sharing their opinions. So if you're always trying the latest thing and giving advice to your friends, Influencer is a great community to join where you can talk to other users, share your opinions. And like I said, there's rewards involved. So the brands are really looking for people who love to review products and write quality reviews. If that's you, then you should definitely join. And it's free. Awesome. And it's also beyond beauty too, right? What other categories are you focusing on? There's food. I mean, who doesn't like to eat? We're always sending out good stuff. And then we also have other things like health, green products. There's also a lot of products for moms too. So for listeners who want to sign up and get started, where should they go? You can download the app. That's definitely the easiest way to access Influencer. And you just sign up. I mean, super easy. Then you connect your social accounts and then you can just start reviewing products that you buy. So that way we know more about you and you can get connected to products that make sense. This is perfect. I'm so excited to start looking at this, especially as I start buying new products because I have been buying so many products and not really sure about the review thing. Like that's such a huge piece for me. I would love to know that people have already tried it and whether they liked it or not when I'm going out there and trying something new. No, definitely. I mean, no one wants to waste money and there's so many products out there and you know, you want to know what's worth it. So it's a great resource for that. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. And now for where I'm headed to next. Oh my goodness, it's going to be many places in the coming weeks and some of which I'm sure I don't even know yet so far. But coming up, I will be heading to Byron Bay for a channeling workshop. Dun-dun-dun, what is that? I don't even fully know for sure, but I know, I there were, at least I think I am, going to be learning how to go deeper into all of this intuition writing and speaking that I've been doing over the last year. You know, obviously I've been a huge fan of intuition for, let's say, seven years or really 10, 12 years by now, but this speaking and writing to intuition for the last seven, well, this is going to hopefully kick that to a whole new level. So that will be a fascinating experience. Then a little bit of time in Sydney and Amsterdam before a conference called A-Fest in Ibiza, Spain. So not sure after the A-Fest experience where I'll head or flow to next, but what I'm currently thinking is that I will start heading back up to Europe to spend the summer there. So for all the updates on exactly where I am in the coming weeks, feel free to follow me on Instagram to see all of those updates I'll be sharing there. And of course, we have our quantum living episodes coming next week and the weeks to come as well. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. 